When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. Palmerbet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Right, here it is. Cabelli gets it in. All Blacks pushing hard. Matera running towards the touchline. Time is up on the clock. There goes the siren and Cabelli kicks it out. Argentina win for the first time in New Zealand. Wow, what a win. Yeah, that was the final throws of the test in Christchurch on Saturday night. And joining us to talk that and more is former All Black prop Richard Lowe. Good morning, Richard. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. You? Yeah, good, thank you, mate. Good, thank you. Thanks for giving us some time and coming on this morning. Um, I don't know if you were there, but I know you would have watched. Uh, what was your takeaway from Saturday night? First of all, no, I wasn't there. I did watch, though, and the sun did not come really come up here in Canterbury uh, yesterday, but it's a brilliant day today, so we can't complain too much. Uh, my take on it, um, I thought it was dismal. Um, for a starter, getting out to a lead and then frittering it away with silly penalties uh, really annoyed me. But probably the biggest annoyance was... And, you know, I've heard different people comment and say, you know, the coach is this, the coach is that, and the players have to take responsibility. And they're all all very correct. But, you know, to highlight how poor the regime is, and I think selection's a big thing, first of all, and then the way they go about their game plan and how they uh, perceive they see the game, there are two subs on Saturday night that were pathetic and that's the only way you can describe them. First, you've got a hooker playing out of his skin and he's clearly the number one hooker. Why the hell can't he play for 80 minutes? Yeah, and bring on a hooker that's way off form, etc. Um, and, you know, can't throw the ball to his man. I think he had four or five missed throws uh, in, in that last 30-odd minutes. So, you know, that really put the pressure on. And then to bring someone on with less than a minute to go uh, for their debut, you know, it, what are the coaching staff thinking or doing? Well, it's almost insulting, isn't it? And it doesn't that also degrade the jersey? It does. You know, you, you, everyone, and I've been asked, uh, you know, I, I spoke at a function down in Geraldine, uh, during the week, and they it, most memorable game they said in the All Black jersey, and I said it always you always has have to think about your debut. Mm. You know that's your number one. That's your first first game, and 
for him, you know, what does he remember? If he never ever plays for the All Blacks again, he had 40 seconds or something. Which is, you know, uh, but put that all aside, why did the coaches do it uh, has not been explained. And I don't think they could explain it. And, uh, you know, I think the rot of the whole system has been rotten from the top down for a long time. And, you know, take Steve Chu for what he was and Harry was. He was perceived as reasonably arrogant and did, did what he liked and probably still does to this day. But it all filtered right through to those that were employed. You know, lockdown came and they got rid of a huge percentage of their staff in the Kremlin and Wellington. And, it didn't, and, you know, and it's gone right through the high performance. They've got people in the high performance. You and I should be able to go and take a under-20 team to the, to, to the uh, world champs and do reasonably well. We haven't done that for six years. So we haven't got a, we, you know, they're not identifying talent from day one. The, you know, I, I think the rot even starts further down than under-20s. I reckon, you know, we put too much emphasis on our first 15, and we end up with a whole lot of big kids, 18, 19, some 20, playing first 15 rugby. And the number of those first 15 rugby players that go on to play club rugby are very few. That, that you know, it's all just, it snowballs into a great uh, mess in it after all. I thought it was interesting, Lowy. I don't know if you read Dana Johansson's piece um, on stuff yesterday, um, but one thing that you know she sort of pointed out that she thinks has kind of been lost is the Players Association coming to the table over the Silver Lake deal. Um, one of the conditions was a full independent review of the governance of the game. That Not enough to probably be made of that, especially in light of some of the things they've said. I mean, if the Players Association, as I said in my uh, my preamble before you came on, you know, if they if they're calling NZR's dealing with the media and the general public arrogant, um, it that says a lot, doesn't it? If that's coming from the Players Association, yeah, and and dare I say it, I've seen a fair bit of that right back to my era. There'd be always been one or two on it, but you take the board as it is now, and the individuals that are on it. When Mitchell was um, made chairman, you know, I know people in this area sort of went, holy hell, is that right? You know, he bought nothing, really brings nothing to the table. They've got individuals on that board that don't bring a lot to the game. They've got a couple of women that were very good at what they did and what they do outside rugby, but do they bring anything to the board? They've got individuals there. And then that overlooked, uh, his name escapes me now from up the East Coast, uh, that got beaten for the chairmanship. Oh, Bailey Mackey? You know, some... Bailey Mackey, he would have been, from what I can understand and read about him and told about him, he, he would have brought a bit of vigour and vibrancy to to the or, you know to the board. And to me, you know, when when they stood up the other week and um, said Foster had the job through until after the World Cup, why was that's the CEO's job to announce that, not Mitchell? And Mitchell get, got up there thinking he's playing Mary Hell, waving the big flag making the announcement. Well, A, that was a load of crock anyway because they'd only reviewed them 18 months before and they got that wrong then. So, you know, I think the top echelon should be ducking for cover and, you know, Plumtree and Moore got pushed sideways out the back door 
But I think a few of the others that are making decisions should follow them. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I I couldn't um, I couldn't believe that Ian Foster held his held on to his job. You know, I mean, and, and, I, and I'm at a and I'm at a point, Lowy, and I know you played with the bloke. You know him better than I do, and uh, where I feel sorry for the bloke because he's been left with his backside hanging in the wind. Um, and and really has no support. He's just been told to get on with it. Yeah, and did right. You know, Fossey's a nice chap outside rugby. That you know, played for, with him for seven or eight years up in the Waikato. And yes, he's a nice chap. But how he got to where he has through coaching is, you know, he, he was after he was a, a player at the Chiefs. He became water boy and followed the course through there. Had the Chiefs, did no good, become uh, Hanson's sidekick and just moved on through there. <coughs> I don't think he's ever coached the under-11s or like Grazer Robson went out and took the, uh, what was it, the Sutton um, seniors from basically a second division team to getting in the top four or something and then went on to the under-20s, did that. He's done a lot of coaching. And what I'm not saying coaching is everything, but selecting is a lot too, and you know, it's digressing, but you take the four props he selected, him and Plumtree and Co selected at the beginning of the year. They were like a bottle of milk. The use-by date had well and truly come up, and I was up for the first test in Auckland there, talking to, <laughs> with staying with Joe Stanley and talking to JK and everything. I said, the big men, the powerful men, but that's all they can do. That, that's all you can say about it. They br- actually bring nothing to the table. And if you were to mark any of them tomorrow in the game, that, that they wouldn't they wouldn't put the fear up to you. Where someone like Young De Groot or, or uh, Fletcher Yule, you'd think, holy hell, these young fellas are powerful. You have to be on top of your game. Uh, so, you know, selection's all gone out the window right from... There I say it, the board selecting the coaches right through the, the coaches they selected, selecting the team. Now, yes, the players on the field have to take a bit of responsibility and do the job, which I don't think they're doing, Cody Taylor, for example. Uh, but where does it start? Well, that's a great question. Where does it start, mate? Because, you know, you, you talked uh, about the administration and the selection of the coaches. You talked about the selection of the team as well. I mean, there... There does seem to, and Jeff Wilson actually talked about this before the Super Rugby season talk, uh, kicked off, about the homogeneity of New Zealand Super Rugby teams, how everybody is encouraged by NZR to play the same way, and therefore we don't know how to play any differently when it comes to the international stage, and you and you play a team that sets up differently. Uh, it's not all about props being able to chip and chase or offload on the run, um, or sprint 60 metres in the, at the same time as the centre. Uh, props should be there you know, for their scrummaging, and that seems to have been lost to an extent. Yeah, and, you know, you can go back high performance. You know, there was someone employed at the Highlanders and one for the NZRFU, high performance trainers, or what call them what you like. And after a whole season of Super Rugby, the group got told he wasn't fit enough. What the hell were they been doing? Mm. And yet he can go back to Southland Club Rugby for four or five weeks and get fit and get selected. You know, it, it baffles me how those sort of people stay in their job when they haven't been doing their job. And, you know, poor old Fozzie, he'd be on quite a good salary, I'd suspect. If that was in the commercial world, he would have been 
or he probably would have fallen on his sword to, you know, put his hand up and said, fuck stops with me, put his hand up and stepped down, or he would have got resigned. Yet he just, you know, when you're, when you're, when you're up at the top of the tree, the branches are very thin. If you don't do things right, they break and you fall. And for some reason, he's sitting on a one hell of a strong branch. Mm. Yeah, he very much is, mate. He very much is. is well put, Loey. Um, what about, you know, we talk about management of, of the resources. What about the coaching resources? Because it seems that after the first test loss in South Africa, Scott Robertson was given the go-ahead to put his team together because he was going to be, you know, they were going to pull the trigger. So he's gone and done that. He's upset the cart at Wellington because uh, he wanted the Canes coach, Jason Holland. He's upset the cart at Auckland because he wanted Leon McDonald as part of that. And then that all gets blown up. So you've left him hanging in the wind. Uh, We've seen, you know, we've lost the expertise of someone like Dave Rennie who improved exponentially on Foster's coaching record when he went in at the Chiefs. We've seen people like Vern Cotter go. We've seen Jamie Joseph go. We've seen Chris Boyd go. I mean, there aren't a lot of options for New Zealand rugby now because of the way they have treated some of these people and burnt bridges with some guys who have excellent IP and they've taken it offshore. Yeah, dare I say it, um, you mentioned Rennie taking over from Foster at Chiefs with basically the same, same cattle and did a better job. So, you know, ask yourself, you know, it goes like that. And, yes, we've got a lot of good coaches right around the world. And you look at them and you think they're lost. And why would they come back? Why would the Jamie Josephs and Tony Browns want to put their name forward when the organisation is such in such a muddle? And you're saying about when... After that first loss in South Africa, I don't know, you might be able to tell me or someone might be able to put their hand up and tell us that after that game, that first test in South Africa, he was gone. Foster was gone. Mm. Otherwise, they wouldn't have done all that. You know, no one's come out and denied that they had Razor all standing to attention, ready to go. And I, I heard just this other week, this before this weekend, just this other week, that... It came down to a 50-50 split of the board whether he stays or not. And basically, either either flipped a coin or did paper, uh, paper, scissors, rock to see whether he stayed. Which, you know, come on. The board are put there. How many multi-million did you say that the organisation is? Um, And we've got it run by a 50-50 split with a casting vote. It's hard to fathom that somehow. Yeah, really hard to fathom, mate. Really hard to fathom because the thing is that our, you know, from an all-out point of view, as a fan, that you worry about is like, well, you know, Razor's going to become disenfranchised. He's going to look for opportunities offshore, and at the end of the twenty twenty-three World Cup, uh, we're going to be looking for a new coach. I would, I would wager. And what are our options going to look like? Because I don't think there's going to be any. Probably Charlie Brown that coaches for Ekaterina or someone like that might put their hand up because <laughs> most of the others have gone offshore, and you know. Like I said, if Jamie Joseph and Tony Brown have half a good run at the World Cup next year, the Japanese are going to pour a lot of gold into that pot to keep them. And same with Dave Rennie. If Australia have half... Imagine the contract that Dave Rennie will be given if the Wallabies uh, take the Better Slow Cup this year, let alone do well in the World Cup. Mate, it's... No, you know, it's yeah. 
And, th- and that's got to be a worry for not just fans, but actually the administration too. I mean, the, I think the bleeders low is probably under more threat than it's been in, what, 15, 20 years. You might have to add another decade to that too. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're, you're dead right. It, it, it's a bit of a dilemma, and I, I think it's time for the powers of E to put up their hands and take ownership of this and sort it out once for all. You know, I don't know what they're going to do. They're the ones that put their hand up and got onto the board and made the decision. They have to now rectify it. And, you know, for the fan, you know, people are talking about going over as a fan and what uh, to the World Cup next year. I bet just poor old um, travel agents are struggling to fill those spots now because, you know, the way we're playing, can you see us winning three big matches back-to-back over there because that's what you have to do to win the World Cup. Well, we play France first, and if we don't win that in France, we'll finish second in the group and have to play the winner of Ireland's Springboks in the quarterfinal. Yeah, but, yeah, doesn't matter. Put that first game aside. Win, win, lose, draw, doesn't matter. Then you've got Namibia and all those sort of things to come, so you hopefully get through that unscathed. But then you play that Ireland or South Africa, you have to win that one. And then you have to go through and go from there, don't you? Yeah, well, mate, I think, to be honest, as things stand, I expect us to be on a plane about quarterfinal time. Um, and you know, and I don't say that with any pleasure, but that's that's the expectation. That's where it sits for me, Lowy. Uh, listen, mate, really appreciate you coming on today. I really appreciate your time and uh, your insight as well, mate. Always good to chat. Go well and have a great day. Right, thank you. Cheers, Richard Lowe there with us. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So, we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.